0: Hey guys, happy Friday. It is the second
1: week of May and it's roll up time. David, how are you doing today? Absolutely. Fantastic. In a different spot in the world uh, this particular week of May. I'm in uh, San Diego today, so that's why you see uh, this different Airbnb background. It's looking nice. Are you sure that's not a,
0: uh, a synthetic background? This is not a green screen? This is, this a real is not deal? a green
1: screen. No, this is a real place, a real physical place in the world. Uh, funnily enough, I have all of my same equipment with me. I just brought it all <laughs> down. But it's a new spot, same equipment, same roll-up, same, uh, same weekly roll-up that we are going to get into it right now.
0: Well, David has gone portable. This is awesome. So if this is your first weekly roll up, we do markets, we do releases, we do news, then some takes, we talk about what we're excited about and stay tuned to the end for the meme of the week. I think we've got some special stuff on meme of the week. This comes at you every Friday. Check it out on YouTube. That's the best place to view it, but also on the podcast if you are more audio inclined. Uh, Hopefully this comes at you in the morning for your morning coffee. So enjoy it on your Fridays. The best way to download the week that was in crypto. David, before we get into markets, we got to mention Consensus Invest. The conference is coming up. This is Consensus 2020 coinbase conference this is the big one the big conference mm-hmm. crypto conference to attend and you know that because it's got some really fantastic people uh it's got ray dalio it's brian brooks from um the occ mm-hmm. uh david who are some of the other people
1: lynn alden i mm-hmm. think i saw mentioned yeah, and I'm, I'm actually speaking there twice, not, oh, there not as go. big as Ray Dalio <laughs> or, or Lynn Alden, but I have with two great- talks that I'm talking about, talking about ultrasound money uh, and the I think the evolution of the investment thesis of Ether over time, starting with the triple point asset and kind of how that's getting, gotten wrapped into ultrasound money, but also the state of DeFi and under under a, a panel of do we really need banks anyways in the current state of the DeFi ecosystem. So it to be a lot of really interesting conversations uh, from a lot of very interesting people. So the date on that,
0: guys, is May 23rd. That's when you want to have your ticket before then, so you can get uh, access to that event. It's going to be a fantastic event. You know, David, in previous years, Consensus really hasn't had that much in terms of DeFi and Ethereum content, but I think that's mm-hmm. totally changing this year, and it's really exciting. Along with kind of the, the narrative shift, mm-hmm. uh, we're getting a lot more bankless-style content in Consensus, so it's really
1: exciting to see as well yeah, absolutely. And you know in previous years, uh, DeFi wasn't as big as a thing as it is now. Uh, and so this is actually going to be the first coindesk uh, event where DeFi is really kind of a mainstream topic. And so I'm, I'm excited to see the conversations that come out of that because uh, it's, it's always a place where different heads come together and like sync with each other, sync each other's heads. And, and we get to get perspective from people that you know you, you, you wouldn't really typically get that perspective from them in other circumstances.
0: There's a link in the show note, guys, uh, or you could go to bankless.cc slash consensus 2021, pick up that ticket. David, are you ready to get to the markets,
1: man? Absolutely, Ryan. I think this is going to be the hottest section of this weekly roll up because the markets are extremely hot. Also, you know, up and down in directions, so many different things to talk about. So, yeah, let's go ahead and get right into markets. Well, let's start with Bitcoin. I'm going to show you a
0: sad chart, David. This is where the, the Charlie Brown music comes in. Cue that. Uh, 48K right now. So, mm-hmm. under 50K, Bitcoin has uh, kind of dropped uh, quite a bit. 2 billion mm-hmm. in liquidations from the recent price drop with Bitcoin below 50K. Tell us the story here. What's happening?
1: Yeah, I think this price movement really has come on the heels of that Elon Musk Tesla tweet, which we're going to be talking about uh, coming up, but we'll talk a, bit, a little bit about it here. Uh, Tesla announced that they are no longer accepting BTC, uh, and Elon Musk uh, said that it was because of energy concerns and just like. Um, popular popular demand to decline to use BTC specifically as a use of energy consumption. Um, there's a lot of speculation as to like what is really going on. Is that really the through line? Is Elon playing like 5D chess or is he just making erratic moves? Either way, it really took a lot of momentum out of Bitcoin sales. And, and we saw a, a, a price as low as $47,500 is the recent low in, in, in Bitcoin price. Um And like you said, uh, a bunch of liquidations, people really didn't see this coming. People are really, really bullish Bitcoin, um, but there seems to be some, some narrative headwinds that Bitcoin is facing right now that's giving it a little bit of a trouble. It's almost David like live by the narrative, also die by the
0: narrative. So when that narrative switches and Elon Musk is is no longer in the news for purchasing Bitcoin on Tesla's balance sheet, but instead he's saying it's it's wasteful and we're going mm-hmm. to move away from from Bitcoin for f- as a payment option, and you kind of die by that narrative. And and the whole crypto market has felt that we should jump to uh, Ether as well. Um, so what happened with the price of Ethereum this week? Because it was having a absolutely tremendous week just a a bonkers week all-time highs and then the the musk rug pull tweet
1: right yeah so uh i I asked uh suzu in our uh, state of the nation uh last week like do you think that this ether price appreciation both in dollar and bitcoin terms is is perhaps one of crypto's largest events ever because that's what i think and he he agreed uh, and, and so there is a through line here that this Ether run up in this uh, specific week up to uh, the, the high that it got to new all time highs of $4,356 is the new Ether all time high. Wow. Uh, perhaps it, one of crypto's most monumental events ever. Uh, i think that's a perspective worth taking and then of course we get the the elon uh, the quote unquote the elon rug pull uh, <laughs> you know it was it was too strong of a rug pull to to even even though there's a case to be made that like when he said it that he was looking at other cryptocurrencies more green crypto cryptocurrencies all the eth eth bros are like Oh, he's talking about Ethereum, right? He's talking about Ethereum, right? Uh, and while, while we did uh, dip off of that $4,350 high, and now we are at the low, low price of $3,650. So what is that? That's almost a, that is a for $700 drop. Wow. <laughs> a $700 drop in the you price You remember Ether, when ETH price it, was $700? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's astounding that ago. we can even just like dip a $700 and like it still feels very, very high just because of how fast Ether has run. Uh, and and so the, also the ETH BTC ratio is actually doing a pretty good job, like keeping its head above water. Um, and perhaps that's because of the narrative of the green energy uh, energy debate versus proof of stake and, and proof of work that people are starting to to you know weight that into the, the market. Yeah,
0: let's talk about that ratio in, in just a second. I, I I do think that the Elon Musk tweet is very bullish, Ether. In the long run, at least. It'll take the market a while to sort this out. And of course, uh, Ethereum hasn't fully switched over to proof of stake from proof of work. But we've talked about it, David, so often in these roll ups. Like it's only a matter of time before the proof of waste narrative, whatever you believe about um, Bitcoin's energy consumption, almost doesn't matter. It's the narrative Mm -hmm. that matters. And once that narrative breaks into mainstream, the amount of waste uh, energy consumption that, that Bitcoin has, and if it's phrased as, as waste versus other cryptocurrency networks like Ethereum, like number two in the market cap, 99% less energy consumption, 99.9% less. I think that is going to have a, a heavy weighting in mm-hmm. investors' minds, just that that narrative coming out. Um, and we do
1: need the merge to actually happen because you know it, it, we actually do need Ethereum to be green. Ethereum is, yes. is just under a wasteful paradigm just as much as Bitcoin is. Uh, uh, the only difference is that in our roadmap, we have this green proof-of-stake future. Well, The only and way it, that the, that narrative lands is that if it actually becomes true. And so we actually need that event to happen.
0: That's true too. And th- that event looks like it's going to happen possibly nine months, maybe maybe mm-hmm. 12 months. The difference with the Bitcoin community is like, no. Uh, proof yep. of work is nope. great. We're yep. forever, we're doing this forever, so right. that's different. The other thing about th- this bullish move, all the, all the way up to all time highs of um, forty three hundred and fifty six, is it seems to be institutions maybe mm-hmm. driving this rally a bit more. That's that's certainly what the three arrows folks said. We've seen lots mm-hmm. of chatter about that uh, in crypto Twitter as well. So we'll have to see to the extent that that uh, that. Uh, comes true, David. Let's talk about the ETH Bitcoin ratio because you alluded to that, and right. man, it's just going up and up and up.
1: up What's and happening not, here? Does not stop going up. Yeah, hit a high of zero point point uh, zero eight, which again is our levels that we have not seen since you know I think in the like the very late stages of the bull market in twenty seventeen. Yeah. yeah, there are very very few time with like total time in which Ether has been higher. Uh, in Bitcoin terms than, than Bitcoin. Uh, and so, like, again, uncharted waters, uncharted territory. This is why we're calling this like one of crypto's most monumental events ever. Uh, things, it's really hard to gain in Bitcoin terms against Bitcoin. It's really hard to appreciate versus Bitcoin. And Ether has just rocketed off of this 0.03 floor all the way to 0.08 extremely uh, quickly. Um, we, in the uh, Vitalik podcast, it, this is nothing to do with legitimacy, but we talked about equilibrium flips, and all of a sudden things happen slowly, and then all of a sudden they happen very quickly. I think that that, that could really illustrate what's going on here. There seems to be this equilibrium flip going on between uh, Bitcoin and, and Ethereum where people are starting to integrate Perhaps, perhaps a smart contracting layer is where it's at. Perhaps proof of stake is the future of crypto. People talking
0: about the flippening too, once again, Mm -hmm. rather Mm -hmm. not, and not just like ETH bulls who were talking about the flippening inevitability in 2019 and 2020. And everyone was like, Yeah, sure, whatever, guys. Now people like Three Arrows Capital, uh, you know, Suzu, both, and and Kyle Davies from Three Arrows Mm -hmm. Capital were like, Yeah, the flippening is inevitable. And when? Mm -hmm. This cycle. That means Ether flippens Bitcoin this cycle. So this ratio is something we're going to come back to. Uh, Ratio Gang website, 46% of the way to a market cap flippening. Of course, Ethereum, Ether has flipped Bitcoin in all sorts of other metrics, but the official flippening, I think, is Mm -hmm. the market cap flippening. And uh, there's 46% of the way there. I think that's going to be pretty monumental if that happens Mm -hmm. this cycle in crypto. It'll be the first time Bitcoin was ever surpassed by another crypto asset. Um, What do you think, David? If that happens, you think it'll be short-lived?
1: Ooh, there's 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 a conversation. Um, there's a, definitely a case where if Ether flips Bitcoin, it's just for a flash, you know, just for a moment. Long long term, definitely uh, in the in the absolutely Ethereum is flipping Bitcoin, and, and that's going to be the way it is forever. Um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like there's a lot of energy behind the trade where if people if if people start to see that Ethereum is like really getting close, like eighty percent. Like 70 to 80%, I think people are going to front run the flipping and just it. like I said, equilibrium flip is going to be kind of a rush to the gates. Um, and I can kind of see it like once it once it even becomes close, I feel like once e- e- Ethereum is like 70 to 80% of the way to flipping Bitcoin, it's almost already guaranteed at that point in time, like people are going to not want to miss out on, on their last chance to, to get a good price on Ether uh, in Bitcoin terms. And, and so I think w- once we hit 0. 0.7, 0. 0.8, or, or 70 to 80% of the flipping, uh, the, the flip is just inevitable. It just is gonna keep on going. and The snowball is only gonna accelerate.
0: We are definitely getting closer. Okay, let's talk about uh, DeFi. So, some of the mm-hmm. metrics, of course, assets under management, we're hovering at about 80 billion at this point in time, numbers continuing to go up. Um, you know, down a little bit. I think on the week. Any thoughts here?
1: Yeah, new highs of 85 billion dollars total locked in DeFi. I remember when we crossed 1 billion dollars and everyone was just super excited. It, it was oh God, blowing up Twitter. That. It was made news. And we haven't really had a, a, an event like that since then because 2 billion dollars came really fast. 5 billion dollars came really fast. 10 billion, like no one was excited at 10 billion dollars because it just felt so expected. Are we even like excited about a hundred billion dollars? Like I'm, 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 scared. I'm ready to see if crypto Twitter and DeFi Twitter really blows up about like when we cross the hundred billion dollar mark. Is it really going to be that monumental? Because there's at some point it's just kind of expected.
0: David, if you tweet something out about a hundred billion, I'll retweet it, man. Yeah. I'll retweet it. I get you back. The, the, the fam- Don't the worry, I think it's big. I think it's big. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the DeFi Pulse Index as well. That's kind of flat on the week. Mm. It was, it was up before. Uh, Elon, Mm -hmm. rug pull, what's happening here?
1: Yeah, we got a new high, just over $650. I think it was about a high of $655. Now we are down to the price of $543. So a big decline off of that peak. Uh, DeFi tokens, DeFi assets really had a very strong showing yesterday and and the day before. Um, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, DeFi tokens were actually appreciating versus Ether. and, And DPI versus Ether, which is where we're going next, found perhaps a floor? Uh, Ooh. I'm, am I calling a floor here? I'm, I'm, are I'm you? going to, I, I, I tweeted out, I'm calling the ETH DPI floor. And then I followed right up with that saying, there's a very good chance. I don't know how to call a floor. So take that <laughs> with a grain of salt. <laughs> what, what, but, what floor did you call uh, point, uh, point 0.13, uh, 0.13, uh, ETH per DPI. Okay. Um, and, and we are now at, at 0.15 uh, and like, yeah, look at that. Like, look, look at that. The point three level is, is where we saw at the bottom of the uh, DeFi bear market after DeFi summer, quote unquote bear market. Uh, I I think I think this level holds. I think I think the the DeFi. All right. So are are, are are you saying ETH ETH remains flat
0: while uh, DeFi goes up, or are you saying both go up, just DeFi goes up faster, or are you saying ETH goes down and and DeFi goes up?
1: Oh gosh, am, am I too? Am I? <laughs> do I have my bear g- or my bull goggles on? If I say that Ether goes up and also DPI goes up more, I think you always I, have I, your d- bull goggles. I, I, do, I do have my bull goggles on all the fucking time. Excuse my French, um, <gasps> but yeah, I, I think Ether Ether goes up and, and Defi tokens go up even more. I think Defi season is around the corner.
0: Defi season because, because the b-
1: we know institutions are allocating into Ether. Like, how can you not allocate into Ether and not believe in DeFi, right? So, like, why would they also not allocate to things like Uniswap, things like Aave, perhaps even things like like Yearn? If uh, it's and-
0: institutions, I suppose if it's institutions, so. yeah. Although
1: we saw DeFi
0: summer, everyone was like, yeah, DeFi is a big deal. Uh, Ether, not a big deal. Right? It'll right. be like Bitcoin or stable coins on Ethereum right. will be the reserve assets, and that narrative starting to shift. But that was mm-hmm. a narrative we saw in summer of last year.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, no, I, I think institutions are allocating into Ether, and I think DeFi, blue chip DeFi tokens, prestige DeFi tokens are next.
0: We've got to get through some other seasons first. Maybe ETH season, season we have to get through. Uh, maybe not. Maybe it's simultaneous, but garbage season. David, oh, uh, let's flip to this really quick before we come back to uh, Ether because we've got some more stuff to talk about. Ether, mm-hmm. garbage season is what some are calling it. The- these are some of the uh, the dog coins that have yeah, absolutely coins, yeah. skyrocketed. So, like, what are these, and and what's going on? Yeah,
1: I-, I don't know if these are all from the same platform or same protocol, but everyone's like on the tailwinds of Doge doing crazy doge stuff everyone is making like new doggy tokens so we got shibu token uh leash Leash. token akita token like new doggy tokens and elon there's
0: elon elon right
1: yeah Uh uh-huh um and and so like the the crazy thing is uh first off a lot of these market caps are extremely vapid like extremely low liquidity extremely low unit prices making extremely inflated market caps And so the market cap are these things aren't real. It's not a very good metric for measuring these things, but what is real and what is astounding is the amount of volume on Uniswap trading these doggy tokens, because you can't fake that. They're paying gas fees and they're paying Uniswap exchange fees to trade these doggy tokens. And they are some of the highest volume assets on Uniswap over the last like two days. Perhaps the reason why gas fees have been so insane this last week, upwards of 250, 300, I even saw 400 guay at one point in time, is it because of goddamn doggy tokens on Uniswap? I think it is. Dude. I think it could. I think it could be.
0: I think it garbage is garbage season. Uh, goddamn. We'll, we'll talk about this, but like Vitalik, that that may be our second rug pull of the week. Vitalik's right. big move mm-hmm. to like wreck the doggy mm-hmm. coins. We'll You're talk right. about that in a minute. But like, so, um, I mean, what's your what, what's your overall take? Like, why is this why is this happening? I mean, right. and is this is this just speculative mania? Speculative Are we? In, mania? Like, does, does this right. feel like late stages of a? Cr- crypto bubble when we have assets like these just pumping. I saw a story this week from The Block, which is basically like how someone turned $100 into $2 million right. uh, by betting on one of these these doggy tokens, tokens. It's stories like that that start to saturate and everyone's like, oh, wow, well, it's easy to become a millionaire. I'm going to just right. buy this asset. Um, are you worried that this is like late stage bubble that right. that we're seeing here?
1: Yeah. First off, when they say that this person put in hundred dollars and now has two million dollars, if he market sold, he or she market sold their two million dollars, they would not get two million dollars out. That's <laughs> yes. part of the inflated market caps. So you would have an extreme amount of illiquidity uh, discount that you would not be able to get. You would still make a get it. You probably still get a ton of money um, because these things did go up in price. But again, the market cap appreciation of these things are extremely vapid. Um, but to to the point about like what's going on here? Why? What's the through line here? If you are a believer of late-stage fiat credit cycles, money doesn't matter anymore. If the money is a farce, then people will invest in, in, into farces, and because the money is a farce, the investment works. Uh, that's, that's the late-stage fiat credit cycle theory. All and any investments work because there's so much money sloshing around that you literally can't put your your money into a bad place without getting a return. There's too much, too much dumb money sloshing around and every single opportunity is an investment. And also part of the, fiat, the late stage fiat credit cycle is that people know that their nine to five job With their salary in in dollars, which is not keeping up with inflation, while inflation is rampant, either actually at the CPI level or in asset price inflation, they know that they can't make it in life. They know that their salary, they're, they're doomed to a nine to five job. And so there's risk in not aping into like things that are trying to get them to be a millionaire because they believe that it's their ticket out. Uh, we, we saw this energy with GME. We saw this energy with YOLOing into Dogecoin. Uh, that's the late stage fiat credit cycle is that you got, you got to ape into, into something that can make you a millionaire or else you're doing your nine to five for the rest of your life.
0: I think that's exactly right, and it, there's this populist undercurrent that says, "and if we if we all ape into the same assets together, then we all mm-hmm. do really well." It's very much that Wall Street bet's absurdist mm-hmm. nihilist culture mm-hmm. coming into crypto in the form of doggy coins. Doggy Super coins. interesting the, the culture, cultural expression of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, David, let's flip back to an asset we do believe in for, for another <laughs> minute. <laughs> Great away, away from these like. <laughs> Back to ETH, okay? Because, dude, like (laughs) ETH all-time highs, crazy Mm -hmm. week. Uh, Ethereum market cap actually grew larger than all the largest banks in the world for the first time. Look, man, I think that's worth a minute to celebrate. Bigger Mm -hmm. than JP Morgan, bigger than Bank of America, bigger than ICBC, China Construction Bank, bigger than our favorite Wells Fargo.
1: (laughs) Ah, Nice.
0: Ethereum bigger than all of them. Not all of them put together yet, but all of them at a market cap of almost half a trillion dollars uh, at its high. I think
1: that's pretty awesome, dude. Yeah, if it was all of them put together, it would be something like $2 trillion or something. Very rough napkin math. Um, Ether definitely deserves to be bigger than all banks put together. Next milestone. Next Next milestone. milestone. All banks put together. Yep. Um, That's that's true banklessness.
0: The the other thing that's an absolute monster is not just market cap, price appreciation, but ETH uh, fees. So, the, the mm-hmm. revenue that the Ethereum network is driving based on block space demand. So, uh, fees, fees have like two sides to it. On the one hand, it, it becomes more expensive to put transactions through. And um, mm-hmm. I think, as users of Ethereum, we've all felt that, uh, yep. especially this last week, trying to get some transactions through a cost rather than a transaction that might cost. $10 costs like $30. Right. A, um, a
1: Uniswap trade costs upwards of $200 that week, this yeah, week.
0: That's, yeah, that's that's crazy. And that right. that is why we need layer 2. Um the flip side of that it it just means there's a tremendous amount of block space demand and so the Ethereum protocol of course uh, is producing a massive amount of revenue. ETH's annualized fees based on yesterday, that, that was May 10th, amount to th- amounted to $32 billion. Absolutely crazy. Ethereum managed to process more fees in an hour than Bitcoin for the whole day. Like block space demand off the charts. This is a Justin Drake chart up only. This is charting (laughs) Ethereum daily transaction fees from 2016 all the way up to 2021 now it's a logarithmic chart and it's up into the right oh my god it's i just dude i just noticed it's a logarithmic chart yeah (laughs) of course justin drake (laughs) Mm -hmm. Of course, logarithmic um just monster fees here i i want to maybe end with this this is another uh valuing eth model that uh that our friend justin drake put together and i think he put this together david because he's doing like the the world podcast tour now. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I think you'll hear a lot of Justin Drake on other podcasts, maybe mm-hmm. more mainstream finance. Graduated podcasts. out of bankless. They <laughs> 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 started here though. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, but this is another, I think, a model that he put together on the value of Ethereum. And we'll, we'll include this in the show notes. People can uh, click through this, but what's crazy I think is, is some of these assumptions um, there are really two basic assumptions you can make when you model out something like uh, ether one is just the value based on transaction fees so this mm-hmm. is similar to how a capital asset like a stock might be valued right. how much how much um, profit is it generated is it uh, what's the price of the asset I'm buying how much um, earnings Is it generating, and then you get like a price to earnings ratio based on that, right? So stocks are valued this way. Um, The the second lever that ether has as an asset is a monetary premium, which is just Mm -hmm. some degree to which the asset should be uh, valued above and beyond that because it's used as a money store of value, medium exchange unit of account.
1: Justin- to put this into uh, into triple point asset terms, we're talking about the P to E ratio is specifically just the capital asset side of the triple point asset equation. Yes. The monetary premium, I would say, is what happens when you integrate the other two parts of the triple point asset, the demand, the the uh, the lockup demand for ether and DeFi and also the consumable demand for ether as transaction fees. I would I would say like as a rule of thumb. Uh, one, one. the first half is we're just talking about Ether as a capital asset, and then you add the monetary premium by adding in the value, the theoretical value of the other twos. Exactly. That's exactly mm-hmm. it. And so what's interesting here is if you look at just the P-E
0: ratio, so a typical stock might be a high-growth stock. I don't know what Google is from a P-E mm-hmm. ratio perspective, maybe close to the 100s. Um, something like Netflix, as recently as last time I looked at it months ago, is 180 or so. That's what you're paying for a stock um, from a PE ratio perspective. If you just assume Ether at a PE ratio of 50, given the revenue mm. it's generating, then the fair market value with no monetary premium would mm-hmm. be 13K. This mm-hmm. is just based on a super conservative, like low growth, blue chip um, price to earnings ratio of 50, the right. fair market a tr- a value. tried
1: and true valuation metric, by the way.
0: Yes. In, in like this, in stocks and any capital asset mm-hmm. that the market value would be 13 K. Right. Um, if you, if you assume a higher growth tech stock valuation, not even something crazy. Like I right. saw, dude, I saw zoom months ago, mm-hmm. uh, P ratio of 4,000.
1: Oh, that's you know, like growth.
0: Okay. So Ever a since PE we started ratio. Bankless, Zoom has not gotten any better. <laughs> <laughs> right, a, a PE ratio of a hundred, mm-hmm. the long the long term ETH valuation would be one hundred and thirty k, one hundred and thirty k. Okay, this is just PE ratio. Mm-hmm. This is not a factoring right. monetary premium. So, if you factor in monetary premium to a, a like what Justin calls the best guess scenario. Of a PE ratio of 50 and a monetary premium factor of four, then the fair market value of ETH would be 51k, right? Anyway, number. he's got a range here that ranges from like a conservative dial to a heavily mm-hmm. optimistic dial, and I think it's super useful for uh, you know financial investors to actually see the two levers that, as right. you said, that that Ether has as an asset, both the capital asset quality. And both, and also, it's monetary premium quality because you have to factor both of those things in. And uh, my God, it looks like Ether, even at 4K, even at all time highs, right. is, is is still stupid, underpriced.
1: Stupid underpriced. Yeah. And just to, to ground the listener, the Google PE ratio currently in 2021 is 57. Or excuse me, that's the Amazon um, uh, PE ratio. Google PE ratio 2021 is 25. And we know that, uh, everyone knows that DeFi innovates at an extremely fast pace because it's asynchronous innovation going in all different directions at all times, right? And so like, there's no comparing Ethereum progress, rate of progress and rate of innovation to a centralized company. It's like this emergent structure, permissionless building. Anyone can build a money Lego. The more Legos, money Legos that come, the more room for more money Legos that are, that, that there are. And so I would personally, the, the, if you agree with that narrative, you would think that, Ethereum's PE ratio should factor in lots of growth because Ethereum grows really, really fast. So I'm personally in the camp of like uh, 100-ish uh, PE ratio as pretty fair. The other thing, again, like bear, mar- bear market or bull market goggles are on today. The other thing to, <laughs> to think about is that uh, the, the whole triple point asset, the, the title of that piece I titled Ether, a new model for money. As a monetary premium, Justin Drake did a very simple like Forex, like whatever, like random number, like call it Forex. Call it if that is if that is a if there's precedent for that that's great what there's not precedent for is a triple point asset with monetary premiums coming from every single asset class in theory if you believe in the triple point asset theory ether as a monetary premium should have the best monetary premium multiplier of any asset in history that's what the triple point asset thesis is so not only should we be bullish on the pe number and kind of weight it high we should also weight high, very highly the moneyness of ether and the monetary premium, and so like, <laughs> what happens when you have a, a PE ratio of a hundred, but you also have like a, a, a strong monetary premium uh, multiplier? That's when you get like literally a 2.1 million dollar ether valuation. It seems absolutely ridiculous. It makes no sense. I don't think ether is going there at all, until like something weird happens to the dollar. But it's a it's a good thought process to have about like, well, Ethereum grows really, really quickly, therefore high PE ratio. Ethereum's moneyness is really, really strong, therefore strong monetary multiplier. Uncharted waters, new paradigm, crypto renaissance.
0: Got to remind you guys, of course, this is not financial advice. Just theory. Your boy was a psych (laughs) major. That's
1: right. (laughs) (laughs) A lot
0: of this is psychology, David, so this is all relevant as well. Guys, we are going to take a minute to thank the
1: sponsors that made this episode possible, and we'll be back with releases. Bankless is proud to be supported by Uniswap. Uniswap is a new paradigm in asset exchange infrastructure. Instead of a cumbersome order book system where trades are matched with other humans, Uniswap is an autonomous piece of software on Ethereum, which is what Ryan and I call a money robot. No human counterparties or centralized intermediaries, just autonomous code on Ethereum. Input the token you want to sell and receive the token you want to buy. Something brand new in the Uniswap ecosystem is the Uniswap Grants Program is now accepting applications for grants. We have been saying this for a while and we'll say it again. DAOs have money and they are in need of labor. If you think that you have something to contribute to the Uniswap DAO, apply for a grant to Uniswap. Just look at the size of the Uniswap treasury. It's almost $3 billion. This mountain of capital is looking for labor. Do you have something of value to contribute to the Uniswap DAO? No matter how big or small your idea is, you can apply for a uni grant at unigrants.org and help steer Uniswap in the direction that you think it should go. That's exactly what we did to get Uniswap to be a sponsor for Bankless and you can do the same for your project. Thank you Uniswap for sponsoring Bankless. Aave is a borrowing and lending protocol on Ethereum, and just recently released Aave version 2, which has a ton of cool new features that makes using Aave even more powerful. With Aave, you can leverage the full power of DeFi, Money Legos, Yield, and Composability all in one application. swap collateral without having to withdraw your assets, trade them on Uniswap, and then deposit them back into Aave. Aave does all of this for you all in one seamless transaction. So you don't have to repay loans in order to change the collateral you have backing them. Check out the power of Aave at Aave.com. That's A-A-V-E.com. All right, guys, we
0: are back with releases. David, Definity, the decentralized internet computer, has finally launched. What does this mean?
1: Yeah, this is a very, very hyped, very old, old project, 2018, 2017, 18 project, uh, finally coming uh, into mainnet. Lots of hype you? back then, lots of hype, uh, lots of hype now. Uh, I'm not I'm not too well informed about the technical merits of DFINITY, but the people that I pay attention to as kind of like my litmus test for what's real and what's fake uh, say that the actual, the, the technical merits of Definity are interesting and uh, worth paying attention to. Um, there is uh, the classic scale via centralization uh, argument of Definity. The way that they get scale is by having supercomputers. I think that there is a decentralization roadmap over time. Um, so right now, this is definitely, I would bucket this in the Ethereum killer camp. Um, and they also are having this very, very marketed launch. Uh, and so, again, not necessarily what we would call aligned with the bankless ethos, but it is v- very big news. Uh, and so congratulations to the Definity team for getting your project out the door. Yeah, so this is
0: this is a project that's been talked about so long, and it's really mm-hmm. been built, like, almost in, like, a closed way. So even yeah. the code is not completely open source, but talked about in 2016. And I remember being part oh, of wow. the DFINITY community early on, and there was actually a, an airdrop that they talked about in 2018. And uh, being in the US, I couldn't actually participate in the airdrop. You had to be, you you couldn't be a US citizen. So I actually uh, got my cousin in Canada. I was like, hey, hey, cousin, (laughs) (laughs) check out this airdrop. And he was like, what is this? What am I doing? Anyway, signed up for it in 2018. He finally got his tokens now. Wow. uh, His ICP tokens. Valuation when this thing launched was 170 billion, something like that. So he was instantly pretty, pretty excited about that. When he realized they, they finally like unlocked. What's Mm -hmm. interesting about this, David, is I do think that they are trying to compete for a different narrative, which is Mm -hmm. like, they want to be the, um, storage and AWS, the decentralized AWS. So not Mm -hmm. like monetary settlement layer, but like take for, take for example, this, um, uh, the Uniswap front end, right? Mm. That needs mm-hmm. to be hosted somewhere. That could be hosted, you know, on on um, Filecoin, IPFS. That could also be hosted on Definity, right? So, kind of a different use case. Decentralized right. social networks is something mm-hmm. that they've also talked about. I do think they're less coming for uh, Ethereum as a killer and more coming for like a decentralized AWS. Now, whether they can pull it off or not, it does seem very centralized, like. Right. in order to, be, uh, to run machines in this ecosystem, you're kind of running that in a, in a data center, if you will. Right. So it's all right. built on top of that. So there's some centralized components, but it is an interesting technology as part of the full spectrum stack and we'll have to see where it goes. So kind of exciting, I think, kind of interesting, but like the valuation, man, wow, 170 right. billion for this thing. Right. Uh, to me, mm-hmm. it's just a lot to prove
1: yeah yeah um it's a worthwhile story to follow uh and i i'm I'm not one to discount the value of progressive decentralization that's a, a a decentralization model followed by a lot of DeFi teams it's different when we talk about an l1 um but also at the same time perhaps perhaps you could say the same thing about that's how ethereum became decentralized it started off started off it, it started off pretty decentralized as far as go. um yeah. but but always the nature of de- uh, progressive decentralization things always started off start off centralized and so you know i i i hope for the best kind of some corporate marketing though behind
0: this i don't Yeah, love corporate it, marketing
1: is mean, yeah. weird don't, don't right. like that
0: let's be balancer v2 balancer automated mm-hmm. market maker uh what what's going on in v2
1: yeah, this is actually a pretty big update from, from what I understand. And uh, ba- the cool thing about Balancer V2 is the absolutely massive amount of gas efficiency, gas savings that you use now when you use V2. Uh, also, there's a new front end, which in my opinion was much needed. Uh, and the, the, really the, the oh, t- big takeaway is that instead of many, many, many different balancer pools for all of like the the canonical like you know typical assets, there's actually just one balancer contract now. It's actually one pool, uh, and what it really does is it separates pool like assets from amm logic and so that has like um, i'm I'm not too savvy on the technical details but the uh, you can use the balancer amm and the the assets that you are trading against all live inside of one contract and the amm and the assets are actually separated Uh, and so they get a lot of gas efficiency there i would also imagine that they get a lot of liquidity there because they are able to pool all assets together uh, and they don't have to route around different contracts you know, for every single balancer pool, um, there's also some other improvements we did. The uh, we did the uh, Stani plus Fernando uh, fireside chat, moderated by Dan Elitzer, uh, a while ago, where asset, idle assets deposited into balancer get yield in Ave. This is a really very strong technical cool. implementation that is really just all about what DeFi is, which is capital efficiency, capital efficiency, capital efficiency. Uh, and so really a monumental upgrade to Balancer. Congratulations, Fernando. Congratulations to the Balancer team and all BAL holders as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. To, to me, the, the Balancer V2 story is it's sort of they built out a, a platform for launching other automated market makers. So it's not mm-hmm. just one automated market maker. It's like an automated mar- market-making machine so mm-hmm. it can partner with Aave, it can partner with uh, Gnosis Protocol, and uh, it, it's super cool to have that design space out there. David, uh, let's talk about some other design space, and that is Layer 2 design space. Arbitrum is an optimistic roll-up Layer 2. Um, that, in conjunction with with optimism, I would say, are the most hotly anticipated um optimistic roll-up layer twos that I at least am aware of. And they just announced Maynet opening to developers May 28th. This is super cool. What's the story here?
1: Yeah, there was actually a very good podcast on the Zero Knowledge uh, podcast. If you want to get into uh, a deep dive into Arbitrum, I thought that was a very helpful uh, way to understand Arbitrum. The fact that we have a concrete date is also extremely exciting. Uh, We've been saying it. it It's like L2 is coming, L2 is coming. Sometimes L2s are actually here. Uh, DYDX is on an L2, but it's really optimism uh, and an Arbitrum that are really going to be where like, oh, yeah. L2, L2s are canonically here. Go use them now. Um, it, it, they say it's open to developers on, on the 28th, but in the, in the podcast, they said that uh, it's really open to everyone, but it's really the developers who have the know-how to actually use that first, right? Like there's no front end built out, no nothing. Uh, and they actually did a very good job. It, it, it also in the podcast, they said that um, they are not allow- They didn't allow anyone to actually access Arbitrum before anyone else. And so all teams are getting access to arbitrum L2 at the same time so there's there was no kingmakers they didn't bestow like early access upon certain defi teams so there's going to be like a, a rush into arbitrum uh, i think right on on May 28th um, uh, last week on the weekly rollup, we talked about how, uh, okay. Exchange is going to enable deposits right into Arbitrum. And so I think they've done a very good job, like getting business development work out the, out the gate as well, even before launch. Uh, and the other, the other take to have is that if the, if Arbitrum is here on May 28th, optimism can't be far along. Uh, optimism early June question mark. Question mark. Yeah,
0: hopefully. And, and the cool thing about both Arbitrum and optimism is of course it is an entire EVM. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Ethereum Virtual Machine inside of a rollup, and we've seen what an EVM in another layer one can do. An example of that is Binance Smart Chain, absolutely blew up in terms of mm-hmm. usage, uh, and that's what these rollups are. Which is why this technology is so hotly anticipated on the DeFi side. So, man, I'm I'm super excited about it. They did say a word of caution at the end of this post, so we should we should let listeners know about this. We're doing our absolute best to get Arbitrum out but the dates in this post ah. are based on the best information currently available. So guys, don't be surprised if dates get pushed out. Um, but the fact that they're throwing something out there, May 28th feels promising. We're, we're getting close. Cool. Congratulations to the Arbitrum team. David, That's let's talk about uh, mm-hmm. this leveraged index. So index co-op put this a leveraged index mechanism together, um, together with ETH not too long ago, the FLI, ETH2X FLI. Now they're doing it with Bitcoin. What's the story?
1: Yeah, I put a tweet out uh, right after they announced this saying like, oh, you thought that the index co-op, the FLI index token from from, uh, the index co-op stops at ETH? No, here's Bitcoin. And also (laughs) broaden your horizons as to what index co-op can do. Um, and so, cool. Now we have a two x Bitcoin token. Uh, I think per I think it would make sense for them to have a two x DPI token. Let's just recycle their own products. Yeah. Also, I would love to ape into that right now, uh, personally. <laughs> um, but like, what, what is it? What are the basics of the uh, the two x FLI in general? Yeah, I, I need to actually get into the into how that works. There is some underlying rebalancing of uh, uh, WBTC and and tokens. I think I think it's some sort of perpetual swap. I, I need I need to. It's just like a mar-
0: It's just you're taking a margin position, right? right. And so mm-hmm. you're incurring some additional uh, like liquidation risk on the downside if the asset price goes goes down. But if it goes up, you're doing two x. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a nice, I guess. to juice your returns if you're living on the wild side of crypto and just like eth price volatility bitcoin price volatility is not enough for you you get Mm -hmm. to go 2x up and 2x down (laughs) if you want that
1: (laughs) if you really just want to live on the edge if if typical (laughs) crypto volatility isn't enough for you (laughs) index co-op has a product for you exactly Um, the the interesting thing is that like this is i think really competitive with uh leverage applications like dydx trading applications like dydx because what a token is, is a manifested, instantiated position where you can go into DYDX and get a 2X long position inside of the DYDX platform. You can just do it by buying this BTC or ETH FLI 2X token right on Uniswap, so the ease of access is there. But also, it's composable because now that it's now that your position is instantiated inside of a token, that token can go do things. Uh, you can go use that as collateral in other places. And again, capital efficiency, capital efficiency, capital yeah, it's efficiency. So cool, it's and so like, dude, this is perhaps like the future of leverage. It's as single t- token assets. When, when 3x leverage, when 4x leverage. It's not only the future of leverage. It's like the future the future of finance, dude. I am <laughs> just
0: like, how can ETFs compete against something like this? Something that's uh-huh. composable that can be put in all of these other applications within DeFi. Like this is... You know, ETFs are dead, man. This will right. eventually kill them and eat all of them. Um, we're just watching that play out in real time. David, should we get to the news? Oh, gosh. Here we go. Into the
1: news, into the belly of the beast of this particular let's, weekly rollout. Let's do it. Let's, let's start here. This is a, a tale of two rug pulls. And we yeah, talked we're going to start the theming the, the weekly roll ups. And that's the theme of this week is the tale it, of two rug pulls. It really was the big story this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first we, we talked about a
0: little bit, which was the Elon Musk tweet. And here it is for people who haven't um, seen it, Tesla has spent vehicle purchases using Bitcoin. This is Elon Musk tweeting this out. Look at the likes here, David, almost half a million.
1: That's a lot of likes.
0: Tesla will not be selling any Bitcoin, important to note, but we are also looking at other cryptocurrencies that use less than 1% of Bitcoin's energy transaction. That's that narrative that's coming back Mm -hmm. to bite Bitcoin for the first time. The reason why Bitcoin is down So much on the week. I think we can point to there. Uh, anything else you want to say about Rug Pull One, David?
1: Yeah, I, Eric Connor had a good take where he said it's probably just true that no one was buying Teslas with Bitcoin. Like that's <laughs> probably like that's probably why. If they were actually receiving decent revenue from Bitcoin, they probably would. They would still be accepting it. that's probably what's going on. Uh, the other the other takeaway is that you know we are currently looking at other cryptocurrencies that use less than 1% of Bitcoin's energy transaction. That's the whole point of proof-of-stake, the whole point of Ethereum, blah, blah, blah. Again, Ethereum, not actually there yet. Uh, and so, question mark, what he's actually referring to is Elon woke to proof-of-stake Ethereum. I would imagine he is. He understands but you, Ethereum.
0: Look, man, what's, what's Elon even doing here? Because he's been right. all over the map. Like, you didn't know this besides... Yeah, right. before like two months ago or whatever, when you decided right. to start
1: taking Bitcoin, of course you mm-hmm. knew this. Right. Crypto Bobby Casper, had that take like Elon Musk is doing less due diligence than I am when I ape into a doggy token. Like, <laughs> of course he knew this. So like, then you right. have
0: to ask yourself, okay, well, why why this reaction? Yeah. And it must be that narrative, of, like just internal pressures are building on him, mm-hmm. the board, you know, whomever, maybe funds that that purchase um, te- Tesla stock and no longer sure. want to because of this. Um, pressure must've been building for him to release something like this. That's, that's kind
1: of what I think otherwise, but yeah. like, e- even so it it feels very erratic, right? Erratic, like nonsensical, like jumping all over the place. Like what's Elon going to do next? He's on SNL shilling Doge, <laughs> like Elon, like I, I know it's ridiculous to make this request of Elon, but Elon, please calm down, <laughs> calm down, but also come on bankless also, come but on also bankless. calm down and, and then, and, and then get hyped on bankless. <laughs> we'll talk to you. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it,
0: Elon. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, second rug pull. This is Vitalik, dude. Okay. You got to set up this story because, yeah, you know, a major theme of the week, of course, is garbage season, all these doggy po- mm-hmm. um, coins pumping. And uh, Vitalik put an end to that, right? <laughs> like almost in one swift move. Uh, set up the story. <laughs> what
1: happened here? Right, so it's, it's a common AP activity to send Vitalik's address, uh, which, is, which is publicly known, uh, your bags, because then it's like, oh, Vitalik has these bags. Like, oh, bullish, 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 bullish. Makes no sense, but people do it anyways. <laughs> For some reason, the crea- I, I would imagine it was the creators of these doggy tokens sent Vitalik an absolute fuck ton of these doggy tokens. Like 50% and- of their supply in some cases. Right, which is ridiculous. Think, probably thinking that he just wouldn't do anything. and and he usually doesn't do anything with these tokens that people send them. send, send to him. But there is some maliciousness about these doggy tokens. There's a centralized creator, centralized preman pre mine Some early people got access to them. Uh, and, and and you know people are, are calling this like retail speculation, retail mania. But I actually don't think so because, Why is retail, because you have to buy these things on Uniswap and the amount of uh, uh, transaction fees, specifically because of the doggy tokens, was absolutely insane. Retail is not paying, I don't don't think retail is paying $200 to ape into doggy tokens. I think those are other crypto whales, crypto traders, who are just doing the speculation game. And I think that that's why we're cool with this rug pull. A, because don't send your money to someone for free and expect them to keep it. Just because they are okay, generally... but so what?
0: So so so, tell us what what right. what happened then with this? Right, right. so yeah, Vitalik gets back all the these coins. They're right.
1: they're in his ETH address,
0: and it's mm-hmm. like from a market cap perspective, mm-hmm. it's worth billions. Of course, market cap does not equal liquidity, as we right. talked about earlier. But these are just collecting in Vitalik's uh, public
1: Ethereum mm-hmm. address. So then, what happened? Right. And, and for some reason, there was actual demand to actually provide liquidity. So there was actual Ether being <laughs> traded, hundreds of Ether in these uh, liquidity pools. And just market dumped it and then sent it all of the received Ether, which is actual money, not doggy tokens, and sent it to various charities, right? So he sent 13,000 ETH to GiveWell. Uh, he gave a thousand ETH amazing. plus all Elon tokens, <laughs> Elon, which is a doggy token, to uh, the Methuselah Foundation. I don't know what that is. Uh, One thousand Methuselah. 50- I think that's anti-aging. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Vitalik's very into into anti-aging, AI safety, artificial intelligence safety. Like, oh, thank God, doggy tokens protecting us from the robots. <laughs> um, Five hundred ETH to. Uh, crypto relief. Not sure what that is. 500 ETH to Charter Cities Institute. Um, he also sent um, a bunch to the uh, COVID India Foundation, um, and so Vitalik just like donated. It, technically, at on a nominal level, he donated like billions of dollars to charity. But again, like one billion dollars isn't coming out of, of this because of the illiquidity of these it's tokens definitely gonna be millions though, right? Definitely millions, absolutely millions. And so Double digit millions, like, maybe Vitalik rug pulled these doggy tokens and all of these people that were you know trading and hyping up these doggy tokens and really put I I mean I think the mania was going to end regardless. But Vitalik was the person that absolutely ended it and just put his foot down. It's like, this is absolute nonsense. Now all the doggy tokens are like nuking in price. Uh, and so Vitalik rug pulled a bunch of DGEN traders in, in the name of uh, um, donations to well, some good people. Causes. Some people are angry at him for this.
0: And by the way, uh, so, some of those uh, token proceeds also went to Gitcoin. So funding mm-hmm. Ethereum public goods as well, super cool. But some, a lot of people, not a lot of people, some people are angry at Vitalik for doing this. Right. What's, what's your take on that?
1: Well, don't get angry at Vitalik for you're allowed to you sell gave it apple. to him. Yeah, you, you <laughs> gave it to him. Like maybe you didn't gave it to him, but like, why are you upset that you aped into this random doggy token and then it dropped in price? Like, what were you expecting? There's a reason why we called you D-gen, DeFi degens. Like, your actions have repercussions. Yeah, it, to me, and I think Anthony Sasana said something about this is like a
0: chaotic good move. It's yeah. definitely mm-hmm. a good move, right? Yeah. And like, um, it benefits public goods rather than the creators of of doggy tokens. Right. I'm all for it. I just think it's yep. like an awesome moment in history in crypto mm-hmm. to see this play out in real time, and just mm-hmm. something that can only happen in crypto, right? Meme, meme yep. tokens go to billions of dollars, <laughs> get sent to Vitalik's address for some reason. Vitalik's like, what do I do with it? Okay, right. I'm gonna market sell it. Price goes crashing, but in the end, uh, who benefits? Public goods, right. charities right. benefit.
1: Um, we we cool, benefit, man. public goods. If, if it goes to public goods, we all benefit. Second so if you miss time. out on the doggy pumps, you're actually getting it back to you in the form of like anti-aging research. Maybe we can all live longer <laughs> exactly. now. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Maybe the robots won't come kill us in 30 years. No, that's <laughs> great. All right, D- David, let's talk uh, some more Ethereum stuff. Um, this is super cool, I think. Oh, Vitalik yeah. again. Maybe he's just doing everything. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, right how he has time to dump his doggy tokens when he's proposing on Uniswap governance that Uni become an Oracle token. Uh, what is this about?
1: Yeah, the, I think people are still really in trying to integrate this into their brain. Um, I remember uh, Justin Drake a while ago a uh, very long time ago, months ago, sent this like proposal around this EIP, which would instantiate the value of Ether into the actual Ethereum protocol. And so there was an actually an, uh, a disagreement between Vitalik and Justin Drake, where Justin Drake wanted the Ethereum protocol to have a little bit more features and getting the actual price of Ether into the protocol level is is advantageous for a number of different reasons. Vitalik disagreed. He wanted that, app, that um, role to be served at the app layer. And this is a continuation on that train of thought uh, where Vitalik says that Uniswap can be the protocol that offers Oracle services to the actual Ethereum protocol, specifically for the ETH USD price. Um, and so this actually, if, if you want to extrapolate this out, this puts Uni not just as, an, as a DeFi exchange token, but also as a, a, an Oracle token, not unlike Link, not unlike a Chainlink um mainly for uh, specifically on-chain verifiable information but what he's proposing is that Uniswap becomes a, a more robust oracle service for ether prices and other and, and other prices um this is a little bit of a complex post as the nature of Vitalik's post so I need to get into this a little bit more I don't know how Uni actually uh what the difference is between or Uniswap oracles right now and what Vitalik's uh, proposing um and so I actually, actually reached out to uh, the uh, guy I, I, who I runs the uh, Chapman Crypto, uh, uh, Chapman University Crypto uh, uh, Crypto Club, uh, and he is going to be writing something about this, and maybe we'll get that out on the Bankless newsletter.
0: Yeah, that's super cool. I, I think one thing that it does is he's proposing that uh, the, the Uniswap the Uni token act as like a backstop for some mm-hmm. of these things. So if there's like a disagreement, final settlement is uh, you know occurs through Uniswap governance vote. In, in the same way that Augur, you know, settles disputes and acts as an Oracle. So it's kind of a, a slow time right. delay right. decision-making process. Something to that effect is my high level understanding of it. But like, mm-hmm. what's cool about this, David, is this is the, the secret ingredient, right? Store of value, we've talked about this formula a lot on Bankless, most recently in our Chainlink uh, podcast with Chainlink God, store of value, right? That's some sort of collateral, plus price feed equals what? Anything. You can have any asset when you have that. Mm-hmm. You could you could model the S and P five hundred. You could model gold. You could model silver. You could model the price of, you know, of real estate in a certain area. Um, all sorts of things when you have that combination. And this gives a censorship resistant price feed oracle at least for the ETH U uh, S dollar pair, which would be mm-hmm. super cool. So just a really exciting proposal. I think probably bullish for Uniswap too.
1: Right, yeah, mm. that's what I was going to get into. Um, Vitalik has never, ever spoken so directly about a specific token on Ethereum, um, at least not with a formal report. Uh, and and i'm I'm reminded of our podcast with uh, Joel Manegro where he we talk about like the ability, what what capital is is the ability to, direct resources of an economic system. If all of a sudden Uniswap oracles become immensely powerful, important. this is a fundamentally different valuation model for Uniswap above and beyond exchange fees. It's now also dictating a, 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 a possibly extremely important Oracle infrastructure for Ethereum. So a completely va- like brand new value capture mechanism for the uni token. I don't I think the market has integrated this at all. Um, I don't even know how it would even begin to do so, but uh, if this if this proposal is taken seriously by Uniswap governance, I think this is extremely bullish for Uni.
0: So much more responsibility too to mm. uh, the Uniswap team, Hayden Adams yeah. and crew. You know, like it's it. Remember when we had Hayden on and we asked him, "Hey, you've got a treasury with like seven billion, eight billion dollars now, right? Mm-hmm. Y- your treasury is now bigger than the treasury of the EF, the Ethereum Foundation." Right. How are you uh-huh. going to be stewards of the public good that is the Ethereum protocol, right? And uh, I think they're stepping into that role a mm-hmm. little bit, but mm-hmm. um, this is another, I guess, ask for them to step into it even more, be the Oracle, be part of the Oracle solution for Ethereum. I think it's super cool to see see that evolve. Yeah. Anything yeah, else, just, David?
1: Yeah, disclaimer, Uniswap is a sponsor of Bankless.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I said there's a grants program, yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, Van Eck filing for Ethereum ETF.
1: David, any quick takes on this? Yeah, uh, there is an, an immense amount of backlog for Bitcoin ETFs to the point where it's actually just like and this is my interpretation of events where there's so much demand for Bitcoin ETFs and the SEC has been so slow that there's just this massive, just pent up demand for Bitcoin ETFs. And I think there are, once they finally figure out how to get the Bitcoin ETF out into the world, the many of them, uh, they're probably going to not make that same mistake again. And so once Bitcoin ETFs happen, I bet you Ethereum ETFs happen extremely quickly.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that's a good take. I'll leave it at that. Um, Another interesting stat this week, $1 in volume for Starkware. That is a Ethereum layer 2 solution. Part of that is from DYDX, which is absolutely crushing it. On layer two. Another part from that is for from uh, diversify and immutable. That's immutable X. Also, on the synthetics quenta side of things, Quenta has surpassed one billion dollars in US um, in, in USD volume. Quenta mostly on ETH main chain, but also has a transition path to Ethereum layer two. As well, I think these two stories are are kind of related, both the 1 billion mark, both sort of successful DeFi protocols now in the process of transitioning to layer two. Any other takes on that? Uh,
1: Probably a good time to be a trader. (laughs) Those (laughs) people probably worked out. Yeah. Hopefully you weren't short.
0: Let's talk about uh, this, which is interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. Someone swiped the Uniswap.com domain name. Right. So I guess Uniswap, the, the foundation, the, the protocol of the people behind did not own that. Someone sw- swiped it and started pointing it where? To SushiSwap's right. DEX
1: website. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who did this, this is- David?
1: Is- I, I, I don't know. know. I, I, would, I would imagine that is somebody who is very proximate or very close to SushiSwap and probably has made a lot of money off of SushiSwap or SushiToken because who else would be incentivized to purchase Uniswap.com? I would like to know how much that was purchased for it. I bet it's got to be in the millions and millions of dollars. This is one part like kind of just like poking fun, but also one part like kind of malicious. Like this is a little- mean, this is huh? a dick move? It's it's a little bit of it's it's a funny, it's very funny. I'm I'm having a good time, I'm lolling. It's a little bit of a move.
0: <laughs> is does this just continue the the beef between Uniswap versus SushiSwap? Like the beef that started with the vampire attack, you know, right. we've got like East Coast, West Coast, <laughs> Biggie versus Tupac. Is this what's going on here?
1: I think again, I think it's all fun and games between SushiSwap and Uniswap, more or less, but also at the end of the day, there is real value at stake. There is real market cap, there are investors behind these things. So right. Well, well, there is it's like fun rivalry, but also this this is like this is a real move. Like this isn't just like <laughs> ha, ha, ha. No, like this is a real like this is a Shots this fired, is a punch. Man. This is a shot <laughs> shot fired for sure.
0: Yeah, who knows who did it though. Of course. Hard to trace these things. <laughs> yeah. Uh Wyern dropping Woofy. Okay, right. man, you gotta unpack this. I guess the context here is doggy token week, garbage mm-hmm. season, but Wyern is not a Garbage DeFi protocol and YFI is a legitimate capital asset. Right. What is this story? What's going on?
1: Right. And so part of the, the doggy token mania is they're extremely low uh, unit prices, right? There's so many uh, <sighs> there's so many units one quadr- out there. Quadrillion supplies we're talking Quadrillions about. Quadrillions of quadrillion supplies, supplies, right? And so like one doggy token was like 0. 0.0001 penny. And like, it just really just messes with people's psychology because they think that's really bullish. Like, oh, if it's 0. 0.0001 penny and it goes to a penny, I'll oh be a millionaire. It, it makes uh. no sense, but it taps in. Like we, we see this every single bull cycle. People are trying to learn how to understand fully di- diluted market caps versus market caps versus unit prices. You know, don't buy Bitcoin. It's too expensive at $60,000. Makes no sense. Doesn't matter. But what, uh, what Banteg did on the Yearn team is he uh, just made a contract for a one-to-one swap and all uh, of a YFI token into WIFI token. You know, WIFI sounds very similar to Yiffy. Uh, And and all it did is it just re-denominated YFI to how I I don't know how, it just moved the decimal place. And so it made YFI, which is a very high value asset at a single unit, it's something like 70, it hit a a peak of $90,000 right after doing this and the reason why it hit a peak is people were buying into this narrative that like oh it people are going people are going to buy woofy token because of the low unit price and because it's a 1 to 1 swap there's going to be a lot of buying demand for YFI completely unrelated to fundamentals of yearn or like revenue from, from the yearn protocol. This is just trader psychology. This is just being a part of garbage season. Uh, and it absolutely worked. All, all Bantic had to do to get a 30% increase in the, in the price of YFI was create a contract that re-denominated it. Uh, and it, and Wi-Fi was the absolute outperformer of DeFi tokens this week. It goes from like, breaks through its previous all-time highs of like $55,000, hit $60,000 and goes all the way to almost $90,000. And I think it's back down to somewhere around like in the low $70,000. So still much higher than it previously was. And again, all you had to do was re-denominate your, your, uh, token to have a different decimal place. Dude, uh, sad that this worked at some level, yeah. right? Like it's these Wolfie tokens were like not nine cents,
0: but but also and so like I guess the the first level of analysis in something like this is well, this is YFI using a cheap gimmick to people to to get people to buy their token, right? And right. like that's first order analysis, but also second order analysis is Wi-Fi um, is a legitimate DeFi uh, asset. Right. It's right. it's producing cash flows. It's arguably been undervalued for the last several months. Like fantastic team around this thing. And rather than buying useless doggy coins that are just gonna pump and dump and get rug pulled, uh why not buy Woofy? Because that is mm-hmm. an actual capital asset. So maybe Wi
1: Fi is, is saving people from themselves? Right. I don't know. Question mark. Right. Any thoughts right. on those takes? Yeah, you can see you can see in the article at the time of writing, Woofy last changed hands for nine cents, implying a roughly three percent premium over YFI, right? Because the buying pressure, buying demand goes into Woofy and then people can arb that trade by putting YFI into the Woofy contract and then and then arbing that. Kind um, of, kind of, kind of funny, kind of genius. Um, and, and again, like if you want to be a protocol maximalist Bantag and the other urine developers, their one job is to make Fi number go up. So like if they can find different ways to do that, then like that's <laughs> all legitimate at the end of the day. You know what my takeaway is, is Ryan? What's that, dude? We should submit an EIP to uh, move the decimal place for ether. <laughs> <laughs> There you go.
0: That's all we but, need.
1: <laughs> let's do an Ether stock split. <laughs> Look, you know, uh, actually some protocols have done
0: that. Like Dot did that. You know, Polkadot did that. Um, oh, really? You know, Yeah. I think, um, I think Ethereum doesn't need that at this point, David. Right. You know, yeah, it'll no, just that, make would, its that way would be its own, a little but, bit uh, perhaps illegitimate. <laughs> but maybe, maybe you could uh, submit the EIP and see where it goes. Um, let's talk NFT stuff. So the one NFT headline is CryptoPunks sell for $17 million where? not on a NFT marketplace, but at Christie's Auction, major right. mainstream auction house selling CryptoPunk NFTs. Dude, CryptoPunks, it, this is really the Rolex. Stop. David, Andrew Steinwald said this when when he came on the podcast, that NFTs are really not about wealth. They're really about status. And I'm seeing the elevation of, of CryptoPunks in like digital culture status, right? Like hmm. what's flashy? Well, wow, you, you show off your awesome CryptoPunk because it's worth like, hundred thousand yeah, on your Twitter avatar, Discord avatar, or something. Are yeah. you seeing mm-hmm. this? Like in in these yeah. cultures, it's it's definitely a status symbol at this point,
1: right? And I just can't get myself to buy a CryptoPunk. So like, it's like, because I I, I want to play in the status game, but like they're so high like, priced. Okay, they're but like, so high priced. So you would do it, like. So
0: I've never been the type for, for like, the right
1: price. Sure, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I've never been the type to like want a, a Rolex or something like this. Right, so like, yeah. I mm-hmm. I care less. But but I, I do agree. There's something appealing about
1: maybe um, right. Maybe this a bit more than a crypto punk avatar. Ultimately. Yeah, there, there's yeah. A, there's a big conversation. I wouldn't say no to it. So. so so let's actually go into this, right? Like Air Connor has his crypto punk. DC has his crypto punk avatar. It's it's a nice thing to have on on crypto Twitter, where like we're all we're all in the virtual world, right? We're all living in what we, Andrew uh, calls the metaverse, right? So having a having a crypto punk avatar is like a status symbol. The thing is, Yeah, it's your it's your it's your Lambo. The thing is, like, you don't need to own the crypto punk to make it your avatar. And so oh, th- are you going is- to go
0: steal Eric Conner's uh, NFT? Th- well, no, not punk? necessarily.
1: So here's the experiment I want to run. I want to, and, and so <laughs> listeners to Bankless can, can know that, that uh, perhaps I'm, I'm rug, rug pulling a, a CryptoPunk uh, uh, sanctity. But like what I want to do is I want to screenshot a CryptoPunk, but I also want to Photoshop edit it. And I want to make it, not actually a crypto punk and do something different with it. Like maybe I'll make a fake crypto punk, a, a fraudulent crypto punk. Then I'll make that as my avatar. Will anyone notice or care? And I, I'll be in the crypto punk cool kids club with my crypto. Punk well, avatar. now they will, because you just said it on roll up, Steve, And It's more of a, thought, more of a thought experiment, Ryan. <laughs> why don't you do
0: this? Why, why don't you create a whole like fake crypto punks, like replica of all of them and sell them at a discount. And become a millionaire, David. Multi-millionaire. Well,
1: no, because you can't do that because they're, they're, those are actually, that is truly fraudulent. If you're trying to make <laughs> on-chain CryptoPunks, like, well, you can't make fake ones. You can screenshot mm-hmm. them and then put them as your avatar as, as fraudulently without like putting it as I'm your I'm just surprised ownership. no
0: one's done this, right? It's, yeah. the, it's the analog equivalent to you, the guy in New York City who's selling you like fake Rolexes. And he's sure. like, hey, look right. at
1: my briefcase, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yeah, theme the of like the crypto punks we have at home comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Dave. Let's get to some Bitcoin
0: stuff, shall we? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Bitcoin Taproot activation has begun. It's been Bitcoin has been talking about Taproot for so long. I've almost forgotten what it actually is. What is Taproot? And uh, why is this a big deal?
1: Yeah, Taproot is a soft fork activation, so much like SegWit for those that were around in 2017, 2018 when SegWit got activated. Uh, And so it it basically allows for more expressive Bitcoin transactions. And so Bitcoin is actually gaining a little bit of expressivity with uh, this Taproot activation. I'm, I'm not familiar with some of the technical details as to how this happens. They talk about how there needs to be 90% of miners signaling to have consensus for Taproot to activate. I don't know why 90%. Uh, I always thought that softworks were always a, an opt-in system. And so if like 5% of Bitcoin miners are processing SegWit or or, Segwit or Taproot blocks, then in theory, like uh, Taproot is 5% accepted by Bitcoin. And when it, if you make a a taproot uh, transaction. You'll have to wait for that five percent of Bitcoin miners to mine your your uh, Taproot uh, my, uh, transaction in order to, to get that integrated. But really, you just need any amount of, of Bitcoin miners to actually get you know get your your specific types of transactions into the Bitcoin blockchain. I don't know why that we need ninety percent activation, but that's what we're going for. And so what's currently happening is Bitcoin miners are signaling that they will include Segwit transactions right now or or uh, Taproot transactions right now. And generally, Taproot uh, is a very just like there's there's consensus in the social layer for bitcoin bitcoiners that everyone wants taproot like it's not a hard fork it's a soft fork it's opt-in it's very much in line with bitcoin uh what do consensus. they get for this
0: david so a little bit more expressivity
1: right this is yeah not like privacy features contracts. yeah mm-hmm. not, like not smart much more, smart
0: contracts how much more expressivity are they getting what new things do you think mm-hmm. um could be built on bitcoin with tap in a taproot world
1: yeah, we, we should get somebody who's a taproot expert on Bankless to really talk to them about this. But um, the multi-signature transactions are a little bit more uh, cheaper and, and they're, they're private. There's, there's a little bit more privacy here. Uh, and I think it really just unlocks new options uh, a little bit further up the Bitcoin stack. And so Bitcoin is gaining a little bit of, a, of a expressivity here.
0: Yeah, so it, it feels like it's in the realm of incremental improvement Um, Mm -hmm. not like adding smart contracts to Bitcoin level expressivity, but incremental improvements, making maybe some apps, um, easier to build Mm -hmm. on Bitcoin in the future. I guess we'll have to see. Um, David, let's talk about this grayscale Bitcoin trust hit record discounts, negative 20% discounts Mm -hmm. to spot, um, value. That's pretty, that's pretty insane. Um, I don't think we've ever seen this before. No, this is a
1: new low for the premium. Good time to buy? Good time to buy Yeah, GBTC? like, if you're bullish on Bitcoin, like, the the trade is to sell your Bitcoin and buy GBTC. Uh, I yeah. mean, you know, tax, tax events, not financial advice, things can go wrong, blah, blah, or, blah, Or blah. just sell your stocks, maybe. You know, yeah, so, yeah. sell the stuff in your Fidelity account. Yeah, right. Like, 20% pr- uh, premium. Like, it must just be that there was just a massive flood of Bitcoin into this trade in the first place, and people are kind of, like, panic selling but, like, if you're long Bitcoin, this is a free trade for you. This is literally 20% free Bitcoin. You've seen this. Also, and with an ETF right around the corner. Grayscale has a proposal. Uh, that might, that's probably why, right? Grayscale has a proposal to turn GBTC into oh, a Bitcoin true. ETF, right? And so, at that point in time, that that premium should just snap right back in, in theory. Weird to see this during the bull run, though. Not something you'd right.
0: uh, expect. Uh, but MicroStrategy is has, has kept at it. They're nothing if not consistent. Dollar cost averaging mm-hmm. into Bitcoin Michael Saylor and crew just bought another fifteen buying million the dip. dollars. Are they buying the dip?
1: Buying the dip. Yeah. yeah. What buying was the, the average dip. price? Fifty-five thousand yeah. dollars. They could have gotten a little bit, a little bit better. But they're probably they're probably still buying right now, anyways. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, David, let's get to Tom Brady laser eyes. Is this the one? So yeah, Tom, Tom Brady. Brady's a bitcoiner. Got laser eyes on Twitter. Is he, he getting be paid long. in Bitcoin? Or is this uh, just possibly? Okay. So he just wouldn't switched... be the first uh, football player. Yeah, I love this as a social signal. It's just really cool. I mean, yeah. well done, Bitcoiners. Good well good, done Bitcoiners. good job with the laser eyes. Yeah, um, yeah. big nice B- W there. All right, David, one last thing before we get to some of the other agenda. Crypto exchange Binance is now in facing investigation by the IRS and Department of Justice. A new report. This is fresh news as of today. David, I guess it's finally happening. The IRS right. is knocking on Binance's
1: door. Right, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to do my best to not feel Schadenfreude, but this is what happens when you play with fire, CZ. Like you, this is, this is, this you can't be a the bank writing was on the wall in quotes, yeah. right? Yeah, you can't
0: be an exchange in quotes. Yeah, he ha- he, I think CZ and Binance have always been skirting this line of sort of wanting mm-hmm. to maintain custody of assets and being a regulated institution, but like not playing mm-hmm. by the rules of all the other regulated institutions is that kind of the take here i mean there's an element of like david shouldn't you be for like free markets why why are you why are you feeling uh schadenfreude (laughs) schadenfreude at this event like shouldn't you be an anti-regulation type guy i thought you were a crypto you know quote unquote libertarian or you know anti-authoritarian figure
1: yeah so the i am i am all for free markets the thing is, is that, like, when you can see the writing of the walls, when you are instantiated in meat space, like, you have certain, like, commitments to the meat space world, which, in my opinion, Binance and CZ were not fulfilling. They were not fulfilling. their You can't really be in the meat space but not also play, play games with regulators. If you are moving billions and billions of dollars like Binance is, like someone's coming knocking like there's literally no place on planet Earth that you can be where, where no one can, can come get to you. Your servers live somewhere you 're instantiated in meat space, and as a side quest, like that's makes well, kind of why I 'm bullish proof of stake is because proof of stake literally is not instantiated in meat space it 's in the ether it's in the virtual world, unlike proof of work, which is literally instantiated in, in meat space. David, what Being if meat space instantiated is always a risk vector.
0: What if the same report came out that the DOJ and the IRS were knocking on Uniswap's front door and Hayden right. Adams' front door, what would right. your reaction be there? And what's the difference?
1: Right. The, the difference is that, that you can't stop Uniswap because you can't stop Ethereum because Ethereum is not instantiated in meat space and it won't be even less under proof of stake. But also if, so, if they like put Hayden in handcuffs and, and took him away, I would be extremely fearful of, a, of, a, of what is, if in my mind, of extremely authoritarian move because you can't stop Uniswap, yet you are doing something in this very extremely hypothetical scenario. They know they can't stop Uniswap, yet they are still penalizing people who are DeFi founders. There's a reason why can't be evil or can't have control or can't shut that down is a liability risk mitigation mechanism.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the big difference in my mind too is a CZ has access to your private keys. Hayden Mm -hmm. Adams does not. Right. That's the big difference. When we say, what is a crypto bank? It's a group that has access to your private keys. They maintain custody of your assets. That is mediates you and your money. We call these crypto banks, you know, they're called exchanges, but this is what banks do in the regular banking system. They take custody of your assets. That is the thing we're trying to get away from in crypto. Mm-hmm. That is the thing Uniswap does not do. Hayden Adams and Uniswap team and all of the code, like, doesn't get access. There's no way for him to access your mm-hmm. private keys. That is the difference right. between DeFi and something like mm-hmm. Binance to me. And right. uh, you know, if if you have custody of someone's funds, there ought to be some regulatory responsibilities right. for that. When you don't different story in my mind.
1: Yeah, the, the, the last line of conversation that I think is, is relevant to have, and I tweeted this out forever ago where I said at some point in time, somebody is going to come knocking on Binance's door. I don't know who, I don't know when. Is it, is it the United States? Is it China? Somebody's coming knocking. And at that point in time, CZ is going to wish that he had uh, become more politically aligned with the Ethereum community. And something that uh, I got from Anthony Cezano forever ago is like Binance had this opportunity to be a, an Ethereum powerhouse. They could have really helped out the ecosystem rather than carbon carbon copying it and trying to fork it and keep it for themselves and keep the same energy. They could have been some, something like Consensys, where they built out a studio a, a studio that built out stuff for Ethereum. They could have been really politically aligned with Ethereum. Yet they chose to co-opt it and try and brand it for themselves. And then we have CZ talking about BNB flipping in ether, and and now the time has come where three letter agencies are coming knocking on the door of Binance, and now he doesn't have any friends, right? You only, you only have like the very small like Binance ecosystem. You could have been friends with Ethereum. We could have helped you.
0: Here, 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 here's the other take on that though, is like, don't count Binance out by any stretch. Mm. I mm. mean, look at, look at the recent hires that Binance sure. has made. The, these right. are people from US regulatory regimes that uh, CZ and Binance are hiring to run their exchanges and be on their executive team. Right. This is the play that the traditional banks have made is basically... Mm-hmm buy your way into political power. And there's certainly enough billions of dollars for CZ and Binance to pay fees, get regulators aligned, like uh, curtail some things and stay in the game. So I definitely expect Binance and company will stay in the game, Um, but we'll see what happens. This is definitely uh, not a small thing. All right, David, we're gonna come back with some takes, but before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible.
1: Balancer is DeFi's most powerful automated market maker. Typical AMMs just have two tokens inside of one liquidity pool, which can lead to fractured liquidity across the many pairs of DeFi. With Balancer, you can access the full power of multiple tokens inside of one single AMM, which unlocks an entirely new playing field of possibility. This makes Balancer an awesome building block for so many different use cases. Balancer pools can make asset indexes, but instead of paying fees to portfolio managers, Balancer lets you collect fees from traders who use your portfolio for liquidity. Additionally, Balancer Smart Pools can be programmed to have properties that change according to predetermined rules, such as changing the swap fee based on market conditions. Or even liquidity bootstrapping pools, which can help you launch and distribute your token with day one liquidity. At Bankless, we used a liquidity bootstrapping pool to sell our BAP t-shirts to much success. Balancer V2 brings powerful new features that makes your money work even harder for you. In V2, IDLE tokens are capable of generating yield in DeFi without sacrificing liquidity in the pool. To top things off, Balancer is reimbursing all gas costs with BAL rewards, meaning that all your gas costs are returned to your wallet with the Balancer governance token. Balancer's mission is to become the primary source of liquidity in DeFi by providing the most flexible and powerful platform for asset management and decentralized exchange. Dive into the Balancer pools at pools.balancer.exchange. Gemini is the world's most trusted cryptocurrency exchange. I've been a customer of Gemini since I first got into crypto in 2017, and it's been my main exchange of choice to make my crypto buys and sells. Gemini is available in all 50 states and in over 50 countries worldwide. And on Gemini, there are markets for over 30 various different crypto assets, including many of the hot DeFi tokens. And it's one of the few exchanges that has liquid DAI markets. Gemini just launched their Earn program, where you can earn up to 7.4% interest on 26 various crypto assets. If you're tired of paying fees in DeFi, or you don't want to worry about DeFi exploits, but you still want to earn interest on your crypto assets, gemini earn is the product for you another product i'm stoked to get my hands on is the gemini crypto back credit card which gives you three percent cash back on all of your purchases but paid to you in your preferred crypto asset when i get my gemini credit card i'm going to make sure that i get my cash back in eth so whenever i buy something i get a little bit of eth bonus back to me at the same time You can open up a free account in under three minutes at Gemini.com slash go bankless. And if you trade more than $100 within the first 30 days after sign up, you'll be gifted a free $15 Bitcoin bonus. Check them out at Gemini.com slash go bankless. All right, David, let's
0: get to some hot takes for the week. This is the first one. Everyone gets a private key. Brantley.eth tweeted this out. Uh, Talk about everyone getting a private key and the ramifications of this thread.
1: Yeah, Brantley Milligan of ENS. Uh, he's the reason why we all have our our favorite ENS addresses. Him, him, and Nick Johnson, and and the whole ENS team. Um, he tweets out one of the most significant side effects of the rise of crypto is we're finally giving everyone a public private key pair what cypherpunks have tried unsuccessfully to do for years with ideology is happening with crypto because of incentives. This has far reaching consequences. And then he makes a tweet thread, which is definitely worth worth reading, uh, perhaps some some homework for the bankless nation. But basically what he's saying is that because we all, all are playing like DeFi games, we all want our tokens. We all need our hardware wallets with our ledgers or our MetaMask. We all now have public private key cryptography. And there's something extra outside of cryptocurrency that is not just about money and assets, but it's giving people the power of public private key cryptography. There's something powerful in of itself of just about having everyone having a public private key pair. The the first and best way to do this is I would love to never have to use an email and password anymore and just log in by signing a message so that the service that I'm logging in with understands who I am because of my Ethereum or not even my Ethereum address, my public private key key pair that I can sign with my ledger and it doesn't it's not even relevant to Ethereum or it's not even relevant to Bitcoin or any other blockchain or crypto system it's just about having your own personal private key that is something that you control that is like your personal password to life Uh, and it doesn't stop there The, the 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 fact that everyone has a public-private key pair is extreme, a very important conversation for personal sovereignty, self-sovereignty, the sovereign individual. Uh, And now what Brantley is saying, because of everyone playing around in DeFi season and playing with getting their Bitcoin, getting their Ether, and and importantly, self-custodying these things, now everyone has a public-private key pair. And now we can finally unlock the the version of the world that the cypherpunks uh, envisioned for us. Yeah, I, it, it really is amazing.
0: Like you said, this could eliminate the need for username and passwords across everywhere we use username and passwords, right? In the, mm-hmm. in the messy two-factor authentication with the public-private key pair, you don't need that sort of thing. You can just do it with your public-private key. Um, the other thing this eliminates, David, I was, I was just signing some paperwork, like IRL, <laughs> the other day, right? And I was just oh, like, gonna be good. how crazy is it that we are still using physical signature as a proof of right. authenticity, a proof of right. identity. Like, why can't I just hit some buttons on a mm-hmm. hardware device or a, a YubiKey or like you know MetaMask dialog instead? Or like every time you go to, um, you know, buy something, mm-hmm. and you're buying something with a credit card, for instance, and you have to like sign your name. Like,
1: right. like come on, man, are yes, you really? I attest to how I am who I am with my <laughs> like, signature of a name. That could be. Anyone's signature, right? Right. This is not this is just such
0: a legacy artifact of a paper analog world. And Mm -hmm. I think all that's gonna go
1: away in the future. Um Brantley's absolutely right. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know about you, but when I sign something, just a line. Just yeah, <laughs> Dude, I do smiley faces. No one. It, I've it's had zero fun. repercussions for doing that, and I've done that for years. No I actually don't have a signature because for years and years, years <laughs> i only. Have you know a signature. A line. So when I actually sign my name, I'm like, fuck. How do I write my own name? I'm like, yeah, Jesus. just print like, it. Like, what is it? Yeah, yes, David. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All caps. <cast. laughs> That's awesome. All right. Uh, let's get to the second take. So Michael Wong here. Michael no Wong. Fees, no validators. No validators. No security no security, no developers, no developers, no users, no users, no fees. The end. What's, nice. what's the story here?
1: Yeah, so My- Michael Wong, uh, shout out uh, Bankless head of culture, chief of culture, chief culturalist, uh, some unofficial title that we've bestowed upon him. He, he's, uh, he's the memer behind the uh, Bankless Twitter account, by the way. Uh, go give him a follow. Um, so what he's talking about is just this uh, bootstrapping recursive loop of a crypto system. And, uh, it, and he's talking about, it, it's, it's one part like a, a good take on to why fees need to be fees and why we need fees in the first place. Because if you don't have any fees on your blockchain, you have less incentive to run a validator for your blockchain. If you have less incentive to run a validator for your blockchain, your blockchain has less security. If you have less security, developers don't want to build on your stuff. If it's an unstable foundation, they don't want to build on you. Uh, If you don't have any developers building on your system, you don't have any users using your system. If you don't have any users using your system, then you don't have any fees. So you need, it's a recursive cycle, a po- and, and hopefully it's a positive feedback loop. Once you start to get one of these things, you'll start to get the others of these things. And that's kind of why Ethereum's network effects are so strong, is Ethereum has, has gone from its zero to one moment of it's, it's hitting this recursive loop, loop of fees, validators, security, developers, users, fees, validators, blah blah blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. You know, to, to
0: me, this take kind of starts at the the very last line, which is no users, no fees. It's right. The mm-hmm. the, the beautiful thing is that this is a virtuous cycle. Right. So Ethereum is- doesn't to start anywhere. It's Well, yeah, but Ethereum as a network is incented to get more users, to make its mm-hmm. block space more valuable. Because when it mm-hmm. does that, all of these other things happen. Like that's where my mind enters this cycle, right? I know the cycle could begin anywhere, but like that is a, a beautiful thing because then the network is optimized to provide- very valuable block space. What's block space? A Uniswap mm-hmm. transaction consumes block space. What's the value of the Uniswap transaction on any given day? That's what anyone's willing to pay for that. And that has become very, very valuable. Per mm-hmm. our earlier conversation in the in the markets uh, section, we were talking about the massive amount of fees that Ethereum block space is generating. This to me is the healthiest sign of a blockchain. Block space mm-hmm demand, users paying for fees. Like you've said before, David, and I think we said it again in our our, uh, podcast earlier this week, State of the Nation, on-chain transaction fee maximalism, right? Right. There's an element of that, right? And uh, Ethereum definitely has that and has built up a healthy network as a result of users paying fees on its chain.
1: This virtuous cycle, I think, does also a very good job to articulate why in, uh, why you and I, Ryan, as, as people that are trying to pr- promote this bankless revolution, why we only consider Bitcoin and Ethereum as really bankless tools, right? Because they are the only two systems that have this virtuous cycle that they have actually bootstrapped into, into existence, right? Like. EOS is a dead system because it never got this, this virtuous cycle. Like Litecoin never got this cycle. So there's a difference between crypto economic systems like Bitcoin and Ethereum and other cryptocurrencies, which I don't consider to be a live system. Like Litecoin, not alive. Like Bitcoin Cash, not alive. These things aren't systems. They are just you know, they're not, they haven't bootstrapped themselves into existence yet. They're they're not a live organism. Like I agree. I I agree. And and you're talking,
0: uh, by the way, about just layer one specifically, but like, uh, you haven't reached product market fit until you see substantial revenues, some level of revenues being Mm -hmm. produced by your block space. And no other chain is really past that. Um, Bitcoin and, and Ethereum have, um, of course there's things like Doge, which right. which haven't passed that, but
1: have rocketed to like eighty. Doge billion has and... some good fees right now, dude. <laughs> <laughs> does it? Yeah, <laughs> well, it's on the go. chart. If you if you go to cryptofees.info, it's on the charts, man. <laughs> yeah. There you go.
0: I mean that that's some early. Dude is, proof. is, is now, Doge bankless? That right? Well, I mean we we asked the question of the three arrows guys. Like, mm-hmm. um, they seem surprised, but didn't discount right. Doge's ability to become right. a store of value. And I don't think the bankless thesis does either. Would I buy right. Doge? No. Right. I mean, like we got to see some sustained activity. Right. Um, but would I discount it as a possible contender for store value?
1: No. I mean, right. do we'll we have see. to? Do we need to make a, a, a proposal to update the Bed index to include Doge? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Before we move on, I'll leave this one last uh, homework assignment, thought experiment to the uh, bankless listener. Where do you think this virtual cycle starts?
0: Hmm.
1: The virtuous cycle, yeah. Yeah. let start, guys.
0: Mm-hmm. Where does it start? start? DBD. Let's go to this one. Um, Ethereum has created the most amount of wealth among a distributed and diverse group, far beyond any other startup. The ecosystem is great because the community constantly reinvests in new research and projects. The rate of reinvestment is perhaps greater than Silicon
1: Valley. What's your take on this? Yeah, my my mind goes back to when we were talking about Justin Drake's model for um for the PE ratio and why perhaps it's appropriate to give Ethereum the benefit of the doubt of having a very high PE re- ratio, like something around a hundred plus, because innovation moves at a breakneck speed. And part part of the reason why is because we recirculate our investments, right? Like when crypto DeFi people make money on Ethereum, they tend to a leave it there and also b reinvest it into into similar like projects. Uh, and so that's why that's why why it's okay to integrate extremely high rapid growth into the Ethereum investment thesis.
0: Yeah, I I think you know the part of this I really like. So I, I'm not sure if Ethereum creates like super distributed wealth, right? Like I don't think mm. uh, cryptocurrency is a wealth distribution tool necessarily. I think it's definitely a financial, like it equalizes financial opportunity. That's for sure. But, but the take on this, that, that I like is, um, it's I heard someone say this week, Ethereum is the new Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. And w- what I think is interesting about that take is like Silicon Valley didn't start with, you know, Facebook and Google and like the current era that we see as a Silicon Valley, it started in the 1960s with right. Hewlett Packard. Right. And that was the original Silicon right? And then those companies, venture capitalists, people, investors who are successful with that era of computed computing, invested in the next cycle, which was the PC revolution, which invested in the next cycle, which was the internet revolution, which invested in the next cycle, which was the mobile tech revolution. And that is why Silicon Valley grew as a sector is because every generation just invested in the next generation. And I very much see that's what's happening with uh, with Ethereum right now. So, People that were successful with Ether as an asset, they're now investing in DeFi. People who are successful with the first mm-hmm. layer of DeFi protocols are now investing in Gen 2 It's, it's happening like, like it happened in Silicon Valley, just at a super accelerated rate. And uh, I think that's super cool. And there's opportunity. The, the thing that is cool is opportunity for everybody in the world to enter. Silicon Valley, you had to live in Silicon Valley. No longer the case. You can live anywhere in the world. You have internet connection, Like start building on DeFi. That's what's cool mm-hmm. about this.
1: Yeah, and and that you took the words right out of, my, out of my mouth. And I think that's why Santiago is is saying that this uh, this uh, wealth distribution is actually perhaps um, better than than at least legacy counterparts. Like again, cryptocurrency, there's it's not the best wealth distribution tool. But think of like the distribution of ether as it, and which we know is actually pretty good with the Gini coefficient, is way more distributed than like. Apple equity or Amazon yeah. equity or s- typical startup equity, right? It's like and- Facebook equity, which right. most of that happened when it was private. Most of the growth happened right. when it's private. Exactly, like Ether was never private. It did a a a pre-sale, an ICO pre-sale that that with with a lot of analysis about how fair and distributed that Ether in the pre-sale was. Then we had this proof of work distribution, uh, and and then that's just ether the asset. Not only that, but we also have um, we also have DeFi tokens, which again allows for a lot of churn and distribution of wealth. Right, like you can come in and and you can rise the ranks of, of capital just by one specific DeFi token that you find your niche in, uh, and and kind of like how we were talking about uh, with uh, Josh Rosenthal on the Renaissance podcast, where uh, we we uh, made the claim that like you know the Renaissance. It was fast, but it also began in one specific spot in the world and, and moved outwards from there yeah. versus this crypto renaissance, which is happening equally everywhere. And so that is also a reason to be bullish on wealth distribution. And so, you know, it's not a silver bullet for wealth distribution, but I do think that Ethereum and crypto at large is better. A better. than positive. previous systems. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I totally agree. Let's go to this take. This is a Wall Street Journal take. And... The, the headline is really the take. The Fed is playing with fire. So I think what's interesting here is, D- David, a report just came out this week that uh, inflation, this is CPI inflation, was 4.2% in the US in the month of Whew. April. It's a so, high number. High number. Analysts were expecting the top range, 3.6%. It comes out, it's 4.2%. So things are heating up. And I think there is a narrative that is starting to propagate, not just in crypto cycles, in crypto circles. We've always said the Fed is playing with fire. Nation states are are playing with fire. But now it's going a bit more mainstream. Like, Mm -hmm. careful, the engine's running hot. What's the next move of the Fed and central bankers now? Now that inflation, like we've seen asset price inflation the last 10 11 years that's almost been hidden mainstream hasn't mm-hmm. really reported it i have no right. idea why but like but now it's it's surfacing in a cpi consumer price index mm-hmm. and um i think there's increasing recognition that um the fed is playing with fire and what do we do right. if inflation starts right. to massively increase what what levers do we have from here
1: I think the perspective that listeners should have is they are playing with fire inside of a forest that hasn't had a forest fire in, in over a decade. That's, that's what people should be concerned about, right? Like, is this just April or is this the beginning of rampant inflation? Inflation can get out of control. Uh, and so like, what's May? What's June? What's July? Like, is this the first of, of things to come? Do we even know? It's a great inflation here, question mark.
0: Yeah. And to be like, so the, the Jim Powell and, and company, they say, look, this is just COVID, you know, uh, ending. And so yeah, pent up demand beginning release demand. Yeah. And so they say this will level up. It's uh, definitely something to watch. Um, David let's talk about this last one. This is a, a clip from the Vitalik episode on legitimacy mm-hmm. that we released mm-hmm. this month. Um, or this uh, earlier this week on Monday, um, this is a quote from him, an asset having a community that wants it to be an ultrasound money is a good property for an ultrasound money to have. Vitalik said this, I think, when we asked him the question about, hey, what do you think of this ultrasound money narrative? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. his response was pretty, has been pretty consistent since I think mm-hmm. the first time I heard someone ask him that a few years ago, which was you in Tel Aviv, yeah. <laughs> when you asked him, hey, Vitalik, is ETH money? I want right. it to be money. And as Mm -hmm. a member of the community, I want to know if
1: you think it's money Mm -hmm. and what was his response, David? His response was that ether is money if the community wants it to be. Uh, And this is how crypto assets come to be is a community comes around and rallies behind an asset because of its merits. And says that because of these merits, this thing is really, really good money. And all of a sudden, that's how money becomes like it's a shelling point, <laughs> it's a coordination game. Uh, and and so uh, what this is the only like this is the, almost the only bullish thing I've heard Vitalik say about about ether the asset because he has to be very muted about it. He wants to be very apolitical, but he's he's saying like. Uh, If the community wants ether to be ultrasound money, then it will be ultrasound (laughs) money. Same answer. The same Same answer answer he gave you those years ago. Uh Pretty cool. All right, but uh, It's pretty clear that I'm pretty sure the community wants ether to be ultrasound money because of how incredibly fast that meme stuck. It is beginning to feel that way, isn't it, David? Uh, Mm -hmm. All right, let's talk about
0: meme of the week. We've got two this week. We should start Mm -hmm. with the first one. We're going to (laughs) fade out with, I think, the second one. Describe this meme for people who can't see it.
1: Yeah, I oh god, I think this is bad boys. I haven't seen bad boys, bad boys, too. Anyway, bad boys, something. Uh, but it's been uh doctored, of course, because it's a meme and it's now rug boys. It's it's Vitalik (laughs) dual wielding pistols with Elon Musk behind him. We got got Uh, the, the tale of two rugs this week, and Vitalik and Elon Musk, rug boys. So good, so good. I think, uh, a perfect um
0: meme for the, to encapsulate the news of the week. You know what? We're going to fade out with this bonus meme. But before we do, just want to mention, of course, everything that we talked about in the roll-up uh, is risky. ETH is risky. Crypto is risky. So is Bitcoin. If you're on the DeFi journey, you could lose what you put in. But of course, we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. And with that, let's fade out with the real... Meme of the week, the big meme of the week. Uh, David, you want to intro us?
1: Yeah. Uh, sorry, podcast listeners, it's not going in the podcast because this is very much a visual meme. But shout out to Fred, uh, Master Meme Generator. He made this one uh, ETH has no supply for. It. Let's watch. Try to realize the truth. What truth?
0: There's no (laughs) supply floor.
1: There's no supply floor.
0: It's even better than a supply cap. It's a decreasing cap.
1: hope you enjoyed the video. If you did head over to Bankless HQ right now to develop your crypto investing skills and learn how to free yourself from banks and gain your financial independence. We recommend joining our daily newsletter, podcast and community as a Bankless premium subscriber to get the most out of your Bankless experience. You'll get access to our market analysis, our alpha leaks and exclusive content and even the Bankless token for airdrops, raffles and unlocks. If you're interested in crypto, the Bankless community is where you want to be. Click the link in the description to become a Bankless Premium subscriber today. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel for in-depth interviews with industry leaders, Ask Me anything, and weekly roll-ups where we summarize the week in crypto and other fantastic content. Thanks everyone for watching and being on the journey as we build out the Bankless Nation.